Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I am Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We're back to continue our coverage of the 2022 offseason. Last week, if you weren't with us, you should go check out that episode. What we did is we went through all of the Titans' offensive positions and talked about what's good, what needs to get better, where the team can improve. As you might have guessed, we're going to do the same thing today for the defense. We're going to go through all the levels of the Titans' defense, talk about what's good, in some cases what might need to stay good as we think about players that the Titans may need to give contract extensions to, hint, hint, Harold Landry. And we'll talk about places that even though it's a pretty strong defense, where they can get better. Guys, how have you been holding up over the last couple of weeks? No football? A little bit more time on your hands, perhaps? Uh, yeah, uh, I miss football, going to be honest. Uh, not a lot of sports on. Uh, I did not partake too much in the All-Star NBA festivities uh, i heard the slam dunk contest was absolutely awful uh so glad i didn't watch that one and uh i wish uh i wish football w- w- was still on to be honest like even though the seasons are, are really long and they kind of they kind of you know take a while to get through it and you start to like kind of repeat yourself at times man i wish i wish there was a football game uh this upcoming sunday because it just just feels good to watch it and it feels good to see the titans uh, win, but thankfully free agency is coming up soon. Uh, the draft is coming up soon, so definitely going to be a lot to talk about and a lot of exciting uh, news that will be coming out the t- about the Titans. So uh, looking forward uh, to these next couple of weeks. Well, I'm sure you've already been deep in the the draft preparation mode. Yeah, I was actually just looking up now because I have a um, countdown calendar on my phone that like will send me like no joke will send me alerts every night it's like how many days away from like this the combine and free agency so as we're recording this we're six days away from the combine 20 days away from free agency and i believe 64 days yeah 64 days away from the draft so i don't know this is sort of the dead dead period right like it's after the senior bowl and super bowl where you kind of get a little bit of both worlds then you get uh, this kind of gap. Then scouting combine really doesn't ramp up until the middle of next week. Like maybe, like 
I, I don't know. Like it depends on what you care about and what you watch, but mostly the combine just for the rumors, but it's still this dead period where it's like, okay, we need to figure out franchise tags and everything is just kind of in a standstill for the 400 day franchise tag window. And until that gets going, it just does go by so slow. Give us quickly, because we won't start our draft coverage for, for a couple more weeks on here, but, but for now, who's one player you're looking at and you say, oh, that's a Titan right there. That's someone that they would want and someone that they need. Uh, I mean, the guy that stands out, if he doesn't have any weight problems or whatever, which there's been kind of a rumor about it, and I hate Sam Pittman, so it makes it more difficult, but the Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, has so much A.J. Brown to his game where he's not necessarily going to burn you deep. He can win deep because he's big. He's a wide receiver, I should say. Um, But it's like you can't tackle him. Like He's going to make the first guy miss with some kind of quick move, and then your safety or your corner is going to have to try to take him down, and they have like a 20 or 30-pound weight disadvantage. And like he's really fun. They use him kind of like Debo Samuels used uh, in – San Francisco, where he lines up as running back. He didn't get any like handoffs or anything, but he does line up back there and they move him all around. And I mean, he's super fun to watch. It's just how do you trust another Sam Pittman guy? But I, I mean, he he's great. Like if if he makes it there, he'd he'd be somebody that I can't imagine that they would you know ignore. Unless actually, I was going to say unless there's anything else to talk about, there is something to talk about before we get into the defense. I want to talk about this thing that Matias sent us. Uh, Carolina Panthers team website puts out an article uh, basically talking about how, you know, the the Panthers are getting a whole lot of uh, reports from the media about, oh, they're interested in this quarterback. You know, the latest one has been Kirk Cousins. And and Matias, can you summarize this article for us? Because I'm struggling to find the words for whatever reason. Sure. So I sent this to you guys because I found it weird, mostly because I never see reports about quarterbacks keep coming and will for weeks. And then there's an article with it from Darren Gant, who's one of the better uh, beat reporters out there. Um, And this is the Panthers official website um, tweeting that out. You kind of don't ever like see that tone. (laughs) Um, And I found it interesting because like they even talk about the fact that they went hard for for Matthew Stafford, they then traded for Sam Darnold, picked up his option in 2022, um, and the article just kind of keeps going into depth that they're gonna keep getting reports about quarterbacks because that's what they should do because in 2023 and beyond they don't have a quarterback um, that's tied to them. So I found that interesting. I think it's cool the transparency because we never see this from teams. Um, but I also thought about Sam Darnold and, and what he probably thinks uh, to see them put that type of article out. But um, it is it is different and, and it is interesting for sure. I just I like it. I, I think that team media stinks a lot of times. And and here's what I will say. And I realize that I'm I'm painting with broad strokes here. The people who are actually producing the content are not the problem. You know the 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 reason that. You know, the content on titansonline.com isn't that exciting. It's not Jim Wyatt's fault. Jim Wyatt is doing his job, as is 
Amy Wells and anyone else who has a, a similar responsibility with another team. The problem is that these teams are paranoid. And, and, and it's really two problems, actually. The teams are paranoid. They think that if anything negative whatsoever gets out about them on these websites, on their own websites, that, oh, it's going to cause problems. And, and, and this isn't like even communication staffs. This is like GM head coach kind of thing. You know, we don't need that kind of thing on our website. Why? Who cares? Stop being paranoid. The other thing is is that people think that's what fans want. I, I think there is a market for it. And, and I will give Jim White a lot of credit. I, I think he does about as well as he can within his bounds. Like he, he, I was listening to him talk on the Lamestream Sports Podcast, and he said, you know, if the Titans lose 33-3, to he's not going to be writing about the beautiful field goal that the Titans kicked. But, but you can only go so far. But people think that's what the fans want. People think that fans want the pom-pom waivers. And I don't think that that's true. I admit that I tend to fall on the more negative side. It's been hard with the Titans to be negative, though, lately, because they they played so well. But I don't know. I'd be curious. People listening right now, like I feel like our listener base, if you enjoy us and this dynamic, it would be hard, I think, to enjoy team-sponsored media. Will, what do you think? Uh, I hate it. Like, I, so I don't know if it's because I really don't know what they could do to write something that I would be extra interested in. Because at the end of the day, you know that it's going to be like pretty like vanilla content because they can't speculate. There's like, it's all like, this is a quote from a player. These are it, usually in Jim White stuff, which Jim White does a great job. Uh, usually in Jim White stuff, it's like the first thing he'll list is like their height and weight. Like it's like that's how like cut and dry it is sometimes. Like when they're when they're talking about like any sort of like observations they make, like it's so empirically correct that there's no opinion in it when it's one of those articles. Now the mailbag we've all talked about is is different because you get, he will reflect more of his own opinion, but. You know, like the state-sponsored propaganda on like backup long snappers and stuff, and what a good story they have. Like, I don't know who that market is for. Like, I don't, I don't know what they're trying to appeal to there. Like, I don't expect them to come out and say, like, "Wow, I don't know why Mike Vrabel's not playing their, you know, offensive tackle while their right offensive tackle is getting smoked all the time." Like, I, I don't, I don't expect them to say that. But it See, is. Sort I of wish they would. I think it would be fun if teams had. Oh. Or, or, you know, if teams had a, 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 a reporter who's sort of a just-the-facts guy, and then a team columnist on their website, these teams want to supply their own media and want to be their own source? That's the next step to making this happen. I, like, I, I hate it because I'm a media guy, but that's the secret, folks. If you want to take over, get an opinion guy or girl. Oh, an informed they, one, not a, because, not a take master, but... Well, but they could never do that. Like, but that, that's the thing, right? It's so It's like that, it, that Baptist preacher, but why? Yeah, I mean, if you're, like, let's say, 
you're Amy Adams drunk. Okay. You're like, okay, you John Robinson, you do what you want to do. Like I'm giving football operations over to you. He's not going to say, well, keep that guy in place who like, who is going to like, Bad mouth me or whatever. Who's in a you know not some kind of hot takes guy. But John but Robinson shouldn't have control over that. No, but are you gonna not hire the general manager you want to hire if he says that? Like, I mean, is it a big enough deal to you? How much you know? How well your readers engage with the writer? You know, I mean, like, I, I'm I with know. you there, Will. I'm saying the thought process needs to change from everyone. The general manager yeah. shouldn't care. Don't think it. I don't think it will. Oh, it's I, like I don't either. In, it's like this in every sport, really. It's 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 just everything well, I mean, is slanted towards the team. Matthias, you have a background in team sponsored media. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was I was going to mention it because I've worked for a professional soccer team before, and I remember one of the first times I was writing an article. I was writing like a recap for the game, and I was describing a goal that the that the other team had scored because there was an error, like a missed clearance from. Uh, from one of our defenders and I put that in the article and they were like okay take this out and make it seem like it wasn't an error from our player Um, and that's just how it is like that's how teams operate they don't want any negativity shed towards the players the coaches Um, and you know I don't like it but it is what it is I would much rather be an, an impartial person you know like being like for writing for a newspaper or something like that um being a journalist who can actually report the negative as well as the positive um but unfortunately teams don't operate that way and i don't think they ever will but the few glimpses that we see of it uh like this panthers article for instance like that's cool i wish we would get more of that but i don't think we will and again that's why you stopped working for real madrid right like you just (laughs) didn't take it anymore the over editing (laughs) yeah for sure i told them uh this isn't this isn't good enough for me i'm moving on that's right (laughs) i'm not even talking so much about reporting like i'm not saying that we need someone on the titans website posting about isaiah wilson crashing in the walls i think it would be nice and i think it would behoove these teams if they had and again i'm not not a take master, not someone who's going to be spitting fire. I mean, someone who after a game can write a column with some perspective. Like, hey, they won. This was really good. This game plan was really good. Hey, they lost. Here are some of the things that went wrong. Here's why they went wrong. Here's what they could have done better. But you're right, it'll never happen. I'm just saying it should. It's a great idea, though. Just like a second, you know, alternative to the to the propaganda news <laughs> that the, that the team will put out, regardless in the in the recap. But it's well, a good idea. And to sure. go back to where we started this, that's kind of what this Panthers article is. We'll share this on our Twitter so that you can see what we're talking about at No Nonsense Pod. Will any any other thoughts? Uh. I mean, I don't know, like my fear would be that you end up with a Paul Kaharski or somebody like you give a mouse a cookie, like you give him a little bit of like insider information and then he just like, I don't know, like because I, I don't know how you can have somebody vocal on the staff about their own opinions, even if they're correct, that go against the brand. But I mean, it, should it happen? Yeah. Will it happen? Probably not. But yeah, I mean, 
the the Panthers thing is still weird to me. Like I don't I don't understand why that would even be published. Like I don't understand what the uh, the point of it was. But I don't know. We see. I mean, we see stuff all the time where people will talk about a player that gets traded or cut like the next week. So who knows? Let's talk about the Titans. We're going to go through every defensive group, every position. We're going to talk about what's there, what's not there, what needs to be there. We're going to do that in just 30 seconds. You're listening to No Nonsense Tennessee Titans Podcast. Back here, No Nonsense. Let's start with Edge Rusher. Uh... This is an interesting one. This is going to take us into our Harold Landry conversation. I want to start with what they have other than Harold Landry, though. Uh, We look at this position group with the Titans, and we see Bud Dupree obviously stands out. And then Rashad Weaver, I think, is an interesting sort of question mark. Missed most of his rookie season due to an injury. Uh is this group bolstered enough if Landry does come back? Uh, no, I, I think they would have to get a couple of other depth pieces, but in terms of the top three, I think with the pre-Landry and Rashad Weaver, assuming Weaver comes back um, healthy and everything is fine because he looked really good in the preseason, he was a good prospect coming out, um, I think he would be a really good third or at the worst fourth edge um, to bring off the bench. Um, I don't know if they're going to bring back some of these other depth pieces like Ola Adaini. Like He flashed a little bit, but did he get injured towards the end? I, I feel like I I never well, saw him again. I, I think he just stopped getting sacks is what happened. Yeah, right? I think that might have been um, it. The, the shine kind of wore off on him. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back uh, just because he did have a couple of flashes and he was a pretty good special teamer also. Um, so I could see him coming back as as a depth piece, but I mean it's definitely a position where I wouldn't mind see them seeing them uh, invest in the draft, but later, not not the early rounds, maybe the fourth, fifth, or sixth round. Um, you draft a guy and you try to de- develop him because I think they're pretty set um, at that position for the most part, assuming Harold Landry uh, is brought back. Yeah, I think part of why Oladay needs job kind of got eaten into or whatever you want to say is that's really when Autry started coming on and they started using that front with Autry, Dupree, uh, Simmons, and uh, Landry all on the field at the same time. Like that was their front four and they did that on passing downs. And if you didn't play on passing downs, there's really not much you can do with them. But yeah, so let's talk about it because on defense – you look at the edges they have, and it's assuming that. I mean, I think we think that Landry's going to come back, but for the sake of the argument, like if he doesn't, like you've got Bud Dupree, Roberson, uh, Ola Daney's a free agent, and you've got Weaver, right? But the thing is, they don't really use two edges a lot. Like their base package is three defensive linemen and an edge. Like it's uh, Autry, some Rand. I guess you'd call Autry an edge if you want to, but it's like Autry. Naquan Jones or insert any number of different defensive linemen here, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, and then 
your edge. So it would be Harold Landry. And I assume the idea would be that you slot Dupree or you move Dupree up a slot and he's kind of your all time end. And then you, you do that around him. I don't know. I hate that formation though. Um, but knowing that that's what they like to do, like if they don't, you know, if they don't keep Landry, they have to get another guy. Like, sure. But if they do, like, I don't know. Cause I've seen this a lot in mock drafts and stuff, and people talk about how you can never have enough edge rushers. And I get that to an extent, but they just don't play that many guys, right? So it's like if you're talking about somebody that takes Ola Adani snaps, it's like he played 216 snaps over the course of the season, like including the playoffs. Like that's not a, I mean, that's like well, just over 10 snaps a game. So it's like, are you like, assume that Weaver is going to like, eat into some of those like how many snaps are you given a first round draft pick or somebody that you spend any kind of money on and then if you're not spending money on them or spending a high draft pick what's the point in bringing them in like are they going to be an upgrade over what they already have well part of the reason that other guys don't play a lot of snaps is that harold landry since 2018 has played the most snaps in the nfl on defense sure but you like you would assume that if they let Landry walk, they're going to have Bud Dupree play that role. Now, whether he can play it or not in terms of if he's healthy enough, I, nobody has any idea. Like, he played well at the end of the season. Like, he should be two years out from the ACL. That's when you get back to normal health-wise, yada, yada, yada. But if they make that decision to let Landry walk, then that has to be the assumption. Like, the assumption shouldn't be, okay, if we let Landry walk, we're going to change our entire style of defense. Otherwise, you can't let him walk. Like it to me, it's as simple as that. So, if you let him walk and you don't change your defense, are you bringing in a guy to play two hundred snaps? And if so, how much is that worth? If not, I don't even know if there's a hundred snaps on the roster for a new guy to take. I think it'd be crazy to not bring Landry back. It just makes no sense to me. Uh, they would have to like almost restart all over at the position. And probably draft one in the first round because I mean the free agents the free agency class is good but like how many of those guys would you rather have than Harold Landry given his age none um his development none legitimately none of them yeah because most of the good ones are like already in their early thirties or approaching thirty years old it just wouldn't make any mm-hmm. sense to me I mean I just, what I think is you just don't want to screw with that pass rush. Because it took them so long to figure it out, right? It took until this year. This was Mike Vrabel's fourth season with the Titans, 2021. It took until then to figure out how to consistently get after the quarterback. Because they were bad at it in 2018, average in 2019, horrendous in 2020. And then finally, this season, thanks to John Robinson and thanks to Landry and Simmons taking the next steps... They improved. They were really, really good at getting after the quarterback. Capstoned with that in- incredible performance against Cincinnati in the playoffs. Why would you now mess with that? Why would you now look at that and say, mm, it was great and it won us a lot of games? Mm, nah. No, you can't. You can't mess with that because Harold Landry is so in tune with those other three guys. Shane Bowen talked about it all year. Every time I ask, why are you getting more sacks this year? What's happened? What's changed? It looks better beyond the talent. They would always say, well, we're more coordinated. They're on the same page. They know each other's 
tendencies and what's happening. That's why Shane Bowen can call those stunts where he's still only rushing four guys. It's because those four guys know how to execute trickery to simulate rushes. And I think you lose that without Harold Landry, even if you replace him with someone else, because that someone else is not on the same page in the way that the other three are. So instead of restarting, like you said, Matthias, that's a great word for this, build. Don't restart, build. And I think, Will, you would probably argue, who cares about the money, right? Yeah, I mean, like, first of all, cap isn't real. Like, I mean, we, we can talk about that whenever, but, like, the cap is going to go up to $260 million in two years. Like, at this point, you can structure contracts around the fact that you know that you're going to have so much available cap space. And then it's supposed to go up to $300 million. That's the projection by, two, by 2027. So, I mean, we're like five off seasons away from, you know, an extra $100 million on the books. Like, that seems like you can figure out a way around that with, you know, manipulating the space and, you know, adjusting the cap numbers. Like, so... I, I I don't know why we've forgotten that the cap isn't real, I guess, because for a year or two it was because of the COVID stuff. But now we're back to constant growth and contracts, except for quarterbacks, not being able to compete with that. So it, put that out of your head just in terms of the cap hit. But even if you want to talk about cap hit, would you rather have Lawan and Saffold next year or would you rather have Landry and an extra like five or six million? Like, to me, that's you know, it's not a hard decision, and I like you know Lawan and Saffold well enough. But like, you got a twenty-five-year-old edge rusher. Like, how many times have we seen edge rushers get paid a ton of money and then do nothing at their new place because they're not used in the same way? Like, you don't have to manufacture anything with him. You know what he is. Every like you said, everybody has chemistry with each other. Like, don't mess that up. You don't even have to upgrade. Just maintain. Like. If you maintain what the what those four did for the last, let's call it five or six games of the season, like they're a top two or three, you know, pass rush unit, even when they don't like without blitzing. Like I don't know that there's many teams built like that in the NFL. And now that you've got all these good quarterbacks in the AFC, you're gonna have to have that. So, you know, who on the team is more valuable? Uh, you know, when you look at what the the sum of those parts are when those four are on the field, like who individually is more valuable? I mean, I would argue, you know, I don't think Derrick Henry being added on the field would do as much good as Harold Landry being off the field would because we've seen them make do with other guys and it hadn't been pretty, but they've survived. Like if they go back to that, you know, 18 sacks a year, like that, I mean, they'll get killed. I mean, they'll win five games without Arthur Smith there. The contracts, you know, because I was looking at those today for outside linebackers in the NFL or pass rusher, edge rushers, whatever you want to call it, they're kind of odd. Like I, some of the the guys I was looking at who are paid a lot surprised me. Like the top doesn't, you know, it's Khalil Mack, it's T.J. Watt, it's Demarcus Lawrence, but then it's like Trey Flowers making eighteen million dollars a year. And that's a 2019 contract. Uh, and, and and then you look at Cameron Jordan only makes 17 and a half. Like, I don't know. It, it was odd looking at those contracts and trying to settle on what I think Harold Landry is going to end up with. Um, 
He'll get more than the tag. The tag is 17.5. I, I, I'm kind of with you, Will. I, you, you bite this bullet, and it's not really even much of a bullet because you're keeping a really talented player around. So I was thinking the, the comparison. Go ahead, sorry, go ahead. Is, no, no, I was going to say, I, I think, you think he's going to get more than 17 mil? I guess just yes. because the cap keeps going up every year. Um, yeah, I'm, I like, I'm fine with that, though. Honestly, like, I'm, I'm okay paying that, especially given what we saw from him, the development, um, and the fact that he could really do anything. Like, we've seen him play outside linebacker before, and he does it well. Um, and like we said, like, there's just, I do not want to mess up what this pass rush had going this year, especially after seeing the Rams literally win the Super Bowl with pretty much the same type of, you know, blueprint. Like, they just got pressure on the quarterback. They were a great run defense, and that's exactly what the times were last year. So definitely need to keep that um, keep that going. I did my contract projection today on agencysports.com. You can go read the logic behind it. But what I came up with is five years, $88.25 million, with fifty million guaranteed and an AAV of seventeen point six five million, I think that's what he'll get. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm never going to argue with the price. I wonder if they're, you know, like I said earlier before the podcast, like Derrick Henry feels familiar, like in terms of if you can't get a deal done with him, tag him and then deal with it after that, and then. I believe what they did with Derrick Henry was they gave him as much money as he was going to make if they franchise tagged him twice in a row. And then they had like a halfway empty a year this next season. And then it's like mostly like, you know, non-guaranteed money after that. So I, I do wonder if they try to do something similar, because if, if you do that, you're going to end up paying a lot of money in the first two years. And that doesn't seem smart to me. So I think they should really avoid the franchise tag because then the other team's agent can say, look, the last time you franchise tagged a guy, this is the deal you gave him. We're fine. Go ahead and give us that deal. And it'll be like, you know, 40,000, something like that, or 40 million in the first two years, like, which would be excessive. I feel like, but you know, again, just, just give him like a five or six year deal. Like just give him a deal that looks awesome on paper. He's 25 years old. He's got zero history of injuries. He's played every, like he's done everything you could have possibly asked him to do. And he doesn't have any weaknesses and he never comes off the field. Like pay him whatever he wants and then justify it later with people who get hurt or who don't reach their potential. Like that. It feels so easy to me. Anything else on edge? Uh, no, not really, but I, I wouldn't mind if they go after like a cheap veteran just for depth. Um, and in case like Richard Weaver's recovery doesn't go as planned, like, um, like Ryan Kerrigan, we've talked about him so many times. Um, but was in the playoff game that he was like on fire against, um, against the Buccaneers and like, yeah. he still has a little bit, he's got a little bit in him. He doesn't have to play a lot, just a couple of snaps a game, but he can make an impact if if you need him for it. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Weaver. Like I, I like Weaver a lot. I think he looked really good last year. Like he had a freak kind of bone break in his leg. I don't think that ever has any sort of carryover to like a career long production drop or anything. So I'm interested to see how he fits with this group. Moving on. Defensive line. Jeffrey Simmons. 
Naquan Jones, Tier Tart, Danico Autry, Laurel Murchison. Pretty darn good. <laughs> I, I love that group. It's great. And Naquan Jones was playing good ball like the yeah. second half of the season. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think they even really need to add too much here. Maybe some competition for Murchison, who has been kind of hit or miss. He's also dealt with injuries. Um, but other than that, like, I don't I don't think this is a group you even you even mess with. Yeah, I think uh, Naquan Jones led all rookie defensive linemen in sacks. Like not, you know, if you take the edges out, I believe he had like two and a half or something. And that was more than anybody else. And, you know, not including like made up pressure stats or anything that aren't actually sacks, but like actually doing your job and getting to the quarterback. I think he did better than any other rookie and he was undrafted, which brings up the point. Right. So they've got undrafted guys over the last three years. They had Isaiah Mack, who they ended up not liking as much and cutting or whatever, but he was productive as a rookie. Then they had Tier Tart and now Naquan Jones, who both look good and like they can be starters. If you're Robinson, would you ever spend a pick on a on a defensive tackle again? Like you seem to be able to nail it in undrafted free agency. They're dirt cheap. Like you can show these guys that it's like, look, these are the last three guys I've had, and they've all either played and started for us or have gone to play for other teams because I think Mac went to like the Patriots or something. Yeah. So, I, I mean, why? Sp- I mean, never another one top one hundred unless it's just a freak like elite player who fall. You know, if you have an Aaron Donald fall in your lap at you know thirty two, then cool. But like, other than that, sort of like Jeffrey Simmons like fall. Like I, I don't see them ever spending a day one or day two pick on defensive line. Like it, they just can, pr- they can manufacture it. Like uh, Williams, the defensive line coach, Terrell Williams. I mean, he like I, for a long time, I've gone back and forth between maybe Keith Carter's the best uh, position coach or Rob Moore. But I mean, it's hard to argue with what he's done with like a year after year, he's gotten so little to work with and then exceeded expectations every year. Like, I mean, he has done an awesome job. Even uh, Kyle Pico was making plays at one point in the season. Yeah, like, it, it was like, crazy. Yeah, didn't he have like a sack or like a sack and a half or something? Like, I, yeah. I mean, and he wasn't even on the roster like to start the season. Like they just added him, right? Like they were just like, let's add this guy. And then Rush, right? Like, isn't that the other guy's name who got hurt in the preseason? Anthony Rush. Yeah. Like, was he an edge or was he a defensive lineman? Doesn't matter. He has the greatest name ever. Yeah, so like it, he did really well, and he should fit in one of these last two columns if they bring him back, which they should because I mean uh, he he didn't have any he's never had any more success than he had here in the preseason and looked like he was going to get a spot. So I, I'm interested to see what happens with him too. But yeah, there's no reason to touch this group. Yeah, I, I, it's the one group that. I think it would be detrimental to add to. It's just it's so solid and will be for a while. Let's move back one level, talk about off-ball linebacker. Can we just all three at once agree, Jay on Brown or Sean Evans, see you later? Yeah, I think so, yeah. No, I mean, Rashawn Evans played really well in that uh, Jaguars <laughs> game. He had an interception. That was awful. Uh, get him terrible. Intro, the Jags get, game. Intro again. 
What? No, when, not uh, that Jags game. Uh, the one where they uh, they shut him out and he had an interception and like uh, uh, yeah. he actually did That's the right, right. thing. I not, thought you meant the first one. That was a disaster. No, that was that. And then uh, Brable tried to convince everybody that it was like, ah, who knows who was supposed to go in each gap? <laughs> kept saying then, someone because like, I asked what went wrong on that play and he's like, well, someone didn't <laughs> didn't fill the gap. Yeah, and uh, like it's like I wonder if it's that guy running the opposite direction <laughs> of the running back. Um. I will say this: when uh, when when Rashawn Evans gets signed to another team, we will, in solidarity, one last time, play that intro when, whenever that may be. What wave of free agency do you think that will be? By the way, is he going to be a, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Like what day during that week? Oh, uh, a couple I mean, days I, in. He's but, gonna he's gonna get a big deal. Like yeah, you he's think got so? the name recognition one hundred percent. If you're an Alabama linebacker who, like, here's the thing. He played a lot. Like, think about Avery Williamson. Like, Avery Williamson, like, signed a pretty decent deal. Like, I, I mean. He was a healthy scratch in the playoff game. Yeah. I mean, that that's cool. I mean, Avery Williamson allowed two touchdowns to the Chiefs in that <laughs> game. And, like, like, just was clearly the worst play on the field. And he still got a deal. So, it's like, it's not like. That matters. Like he, he's going to have such a good grade from some old GM who had him highly rated and said, "Oh well, when he was in Dean Pease's scheme, he really worked well." And I mean, maybe Atlanta finds the money for it or whatever. But I mean, he's got you know he he must have some sort of locker room presence or like respect factor because Vrabel kept putting him out there uh, for whatever reason. So uh, whatever he's doing teams are buying into because they're not watching the tape and disqualifying him. So, I mean, he's going to get, a, I think he's going to be one of the higher paid Titans for agents this year. Hmm. Hmm. Brown too gone, right? Yeah. He's, just, he's unreliable. Like he's always hurt or banged up. Um, and his play like has directly fallen off because of those injuries. It seemed like, um, like a couple of years ago, like he looked like he was taking the next step, and then it just it just never happened. Well, and you know, like defensive line, like the Titans seem to walk away with you know. I guess Monty Rice was a third rounder last year, but he was an extra third rounder, and then like day three guys, and like they made Jayon work for a while, and then you know his time came, and now David Long looks like that guy, and he looks better than Jayon ever looked, and like. I I believe Monty Rice will get up to speed in time and he'll look like that, you know, after, you know, it's just, they seem to be able to find those guys late. And if that's the case, like don't pay for something you can find on day three. I don't even think it's just the Titans though. Like I want to give Robinson his due credit for finding you know, long and, and we'll see what happens with Rice. But I think that's an NFL thing. It's, this is a very replaceable position. They also hate undersized linebackers for whatever reason, and John Robinson is just like, okay, that's fine. We'll just draft them in the fifth and sixth round. It's all good. Monty Rice is tiny, dude. The first time I looked at that guy, I'm like, this is an inside linebacker. Like, He looks like, I don't know, like a slot receiver almost. He's he's too thick for that, but like. That's the prototype. Yeah. That's what they love. Yeah. Like it's like you look at everybody was like Zayvon Collins is so fat. Look how good he's going to be at linebacker. And I never then, like, bought into him. Was, no, I didn't either. And he was slow and got quickly replaced. He's like a first round rookie and like was just riding the bench. Like I like 
Well, that's what the Titans rookies do. <laughs> yeah, but they turn out good on the other end. Like I, I he like if you've got a two hundred and sixty pound linebacker and he's not playing early in his career on rundowns, you're in trouble. <laughs> like yeah. I mean, that that's not gonna work. Okay. Moving on. Well, actually I do want to talk about this one other issue. Because I, we talk a lot with the Titans' salary cap about Landry's deal. Is that going to happen? We talk about LaJuan and Saffold. But there's one other big thing that I don't think we're talking about enough. And we're going to talk about it here on No Nonsense in 30 seconds. Back here, no nonsense, Tennessee Titans podcast. Zach Cunningham. To start off, he was great for the Titans from when they brought him in. Fierce, thumper, did everything as bad as well as you could have hoped for. I think $10.5 million might be too much for him. What do we think? You know... I've been thinking about this one, and obviously, ideally, they would restructure and try to bring him back because he really did look like a great fit for the Titans, and he showed a lot of a lot of effort, and he played very well. So I would like to have him back, ideally, on a restructured contract. But even if they don't get that, I think I'm okay with with 10.5. I know it's a lot, but he's a really good player. Um, he's shown that in the past, and he showed it in the short time with the Titans. Plus, the Titans already have David Long and Monty Rice on friendly uh, rookie deals, so they don't have to worry about paying another linebacker. Like, I would be okay with it. I wouldn't love it, but if they choose to go that route, I wouldn't sit here and just, like, destroy them for it. Do you think you can approach him about a pay cut? Because I got—where did I get? I got asked about this on The Zone. Um, No one else is going to pay him $10.5 million. So it's almost like you say, dude. Uh, who? I don't know. Ah. I, I mean, like the here's linebackers who are making around that. Like Joe Burt's making ten point seven. Corey Littleton is making eleven point seven. Jerome Baker is making twelve point five. Uh, Miles Jack is making fourteen point two. Okay, like maybe you're maybe I, I mean maybe that's because so, those some, like those are not a tier linebackers. Yeah, yeah, those are like. If if Cunningham hits the market, he's better than those guys. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, but but here's the thing: like, I don't think you're wrong. I think the what helps the Titans is that all his money is theoretical, right? Like, it's all like base salary; none of it's guaranteed. So if you're the Titans, you approach him and you say, like, look, if you tear tear your ACL, you've got no money coming in. You don't know if you're going to get a good deal next year. Like, you're not protected at all. Like. You've got $33 million over the next three years on paper, but none of it's guaranteed. Let's rework a deal. Let's get you guaranteed money now and guaranteed money over a period of time. We'll add, we'll add a void year at the end so you can have even more guaranteed money, but your cap hit's going to be $4 million for the next three years. Like You get more money guaranteed, and you can have some crazy incentives or whatever, but your cap hit is going to come way down. And... I think everybody wins with that. It's just how low can you get the cap hit? Like, because, I mean, you really can't, like, I mean, there's no middle, like, there's no middle class in for linebackers. It's like you get, like, 
you know, Demario Davis is on a crazy team friendly deal. He's on nine million a year and like Donta Hightower, but those guys are like thirty-three and thirty-two. Like nobody's in their second contract making less than ten million a year. So it's like if you get him cheaper, it's because he's already got a bunch of guaranteed money from uh, his deal with the Texans where he signed and he got all that, you know, that signing bonus money up front. And then you're just working on like how can we keep you interested in a deal here and lower your cap and you know promise you more guaranteed money like that that's all you can offer him do do we think moving on from from linebacker do we think the titans need to resign dane crookshank because that guy was really good with tight ends Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't think it's a priority, but I wouldn't mind seeing him back. Um, it depends how much. I mean, how much is he going to ask for? Can't be that much, right? Like, I know he was good this last year, but he's really only been a backup slash special teamer for most of his time here. He's also dealt with injuries. I think they probably will be able to get him on a friendly deal. So, yeah, I, I, I would take him back. Yeah, somebody like Eric Rowe, like, and Adrian Phillips, like, kind kind of those rotational guys, like, they're making, you know, under $5 million, like, somewhere in that four. Like, if you can get them back for $5 million a year, or like, AAV, and it's, like, $3 million cap hit this year, and then by the end of it, it's more like, like I said, like, theoretical money, non-guaranteed, you could cut them and get most of it back. Like, that, I mean, that that wouldn't bother me. Like, the thing is... I don't know how you get him and Elijah Molden on the field at the same time. And I think I would rather have Elijah Molden on the field and have uh, Hooker and Byard at safety than I would have him on the field and have him try to contend with slot receiver. You know, like, I don't, I don't know that there's that much of an upgrade and I don't know if there's that much upside, but he did do a really good job. So I'm not saying he's out of it, but I'm saying if you're trying to find money and places to spend, like I, I think you can kind of replicate what he did. I think that's more of a playbook thing than it is just him being, you know, above and beyond what the play call is. But I, I don't know. Like, I, it's it's hard for me to justify. Like, do you spend five million on him, or do you spend five million this year on bringing Ben Jones back? Like, if that's the case, then you bring Ben Jones back. So, I, I just don't know at what point they make him a priority. I think that makes sense. I, I, I think, you know, in a, in a, in a world where the money wasn't a problem, I think, sure, you bring him back. But, and also the thing with Crookshank is he's just been so unreliable in terms of his availability over the years that I don't know that you want to invest in that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's necessary, um, given how much he's going to play. Really. Now, now, uh, one thing that could happen is a Jayon Brown situation where no one else really wants him either, and so you give him very little. That could happen. I mean, what if he's $3 million? I think you pull the trigger then. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, are, I mean, are people again, lining up for Dane Crookshank? I I don't think so. That's the thing. I really don't think so. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it, that all makes sense. It's just like, does Dean Pease know him? You know, does Arthur Smith know him and say, okay, like, the, we want that guy? You know, do, does somebody who's played so. against him this year? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like I just like I don't know. Like I didn't think there would be as big of a market as there was for Dory Jackson and Logan Ryan, and you know, and they like they both got huge deals. And you know, not not that they're necessarily one for one. But Logan Ryan's kind of similar, but just in like you kind of have your like niche that you work in, and like I don't know. Like I mean, could I see him going somewhere for like five or six million dollars? Like yeah, like I, I think I could see that. Like. But the problem is, like, you can't count on him. Like, I don't think he's good enough to, like you said, to lock up. Like, I think if it's, like, if you let him go and he comes back and you don't have any better way to spend your money, like, there's, you know, cool. You get back somebody who is really cool and a nice piece of your defense. But if you let him go and somebody else snatches him up, like that's fine, too. Like, you can manufacture what he did. Like, but, yeah, I, that that's, that's kind of where I am on it is it would be cool to have him, like, not a necessary piece. Otherwise, at safety, I think if you don't have Crookshank, you got to find someone because you've got Byard, you've got Hooker, and then like you need someone else who can play. And would that come through the draft? I guess. Yeah, you could take one late or sign like. Uh, what happened to Farley? Is he not on the team? He's there. That's he corner. On He's a corner. No, 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 Matthias Farley, the other oh, the special team. Yeah, guy. yeah, he's he's a free agent. But UFA, but I mean yeah. you get him better. He wants, you can get someone better than him in the draft. Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, bring bring back uh, Brady Breeze. Mm. I was oh, gonna man. say Bradley McDougal. Do you beat me? <laughs> you beat oh. me they got cooked. I mean, that that's the thing, right? It's like you find Greg Mabins who can play corner off the street. Like you assume you can, you know, find a safety that works. Corner. It's an interesting group as well. I think Jack Rabbit Jenkins is gone. I think you save yourself six million bucks. He was a stopgap anyway. You go full throttle with Caleb Farley and see what you have. You can't leave the sports car in the garage forever. Caleb Farley, Christian Fulton, Elijah Mold, and that, those are your starters. You've got Chris Jackson as a nice depth option there. Uh, maybe you draft someone late as a depth kind of guy, but I feel like. It's probably going to be those four as your primary guys, no? I think so. Um, I, I'm a little hesitant about Farley just because he's coming off an ACL tear. Um, plus, he ha- had that back injury that affected him coming into coming into his NFL career. So, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's putting a lot of eggs into into one basket, just completely relying on him as your as your cornerback one or cornerback two, but I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the free agency list for cornerbacks and uh, it's not good. It's not good to be honest with you. And I really don't think they should be spending a first round pick on a cornerback again. So I think, yeah, you go in with Farley Fulton and Molden um, and then maybe get another veteran just as kind of an insurance policy. There's a couple, but there's a couple in free agency, but they all kind of have flaws. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is super easy, right? So, like, you cut Jenkins, you know, and you you take that money back. Chris Jackson is your, like, first backup off the bench. And then you just bring back Buster Screen. Like, you bring back him on, like, a, you know, $2 $2 million deal, something like that. And he's your, 
veteran slash backup outside corner. Like he did well when he played. Like because I mean, how much are if if you're not gonna? I mean, if you're gonna invest more than that, you might as well not cut a Jack Rabbit Jenkins, right? Like because it is a lot of money. But like, are you gonna spend? Are you gonna find a corner that you really love on the market for you know four million dollars? Like. I mean, five, you know, are you going to get them on a one-year deal? It's like, no. It's like, well, then probably just roll back screen. But depth is important, but you can't spend too much money at premium positions on backups because you just end up eating up way too much cap doing that. So I think you roll with it. And by the way, I think this is this and the front, like defensive line slash edge, I think is probably the deepest group uh, anywhere on the roster, like those two groups, because – I mean, you could cut a starter from last year and still have three starters ready to go and backups inside and out if you bring back screen on like a $2 million deal. Like, I I think that's a very cost-effective way to handle a very expensive position. I mean, the corners are going to be cheap. Farley, Fulton, and Molden are nothing. Yeah, they're rookie deal. And that, like, so, like... But the thing is, I think that I think it's so important that you hit on these rookie corners because the fact that you can have three starters for assuming that Farley comes back and if he doesn't like, you know, you have to roll with that, but you have to assume that he's going to come back. And so if you make that assumption, then you can spend premium money on Harold Landry and have two expensive edges because you've got such cheap corners. Like hitting on one expensive position allows you to pay what the other guys deserve to be paid in other positions. So like to me, it's this is okay. You know, you stepped up last year, trial by fire this year where we're going to change our veteran out for a younger guy and we're going to roll with that and we're going to see if it works. But don't worry, we're going to have an elite defensive line in front of you wreaking havoc so your job won't be that hard. Like that that's a perfect like macro outlook on the defense next year. And that's it. That's our last position. And it's funny because with the offense, we kind of sat there at all of them going, okay, who? He, this is what they need to find. This is what they need to bring in. With the defense, it's how can they keep it together? And, and I'll, I'll, we can close with this idea. A lot of people talking on Twitter everywhere about should the Titans go offense or defense in first round. I think it has to be offense. Certainly based on this exercise, right? I mean, because John Robinson will, as you always say, his approach in the first round is where can I fill the most snaps? And that's offense. The the, the defense is in great shape. It, it really is. There really aren't a lot of holes um, um, personnel-wise. Maybe, you know, at linebacker, but if they bring back Cunningham, they already have long. They're good there. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think they need to load up on offense and just – make it impossible for Todd Downing to fail, honestly. Like, just get enough talent on that side of the ball to where they're good enough to get by uh, in a lot of these games. And I think the defense has shown to be good enough and they're talented enough to to get them uh, farther than they got them this year. Yeah, and so I've I've started to rethink that, you know, the snaps thing because – over the last three years, it's been more like let's swing on the player that we think has the freakiest upside, like in the most like tangible measurements. Like, 
Isaiah Wilson, we all know what happened there, but the two times that they've been able to get their hands on guys, it's been Jeffrey Simmons and Caleb Farley, which were, you know, basically carbon copies of each other where it was, this guy's a freak athlete. Like he's bigger than everybody. He's stronger than everybody. He's faster than everybody. And, you know, he's got all the measurables, but he's hurt and you're going to have to deal with that and go from there. But if you, you know, if he's healthy and he develops, he'll be an all pro. So, because I don't really know based on what we saw and, you know, who actually ended up starting the season. Like it doesn't seem like there's necessarily necessarily a direct path for Farley, you know, coming in last year, knowing how much they liked the guys they had. So I don't know, maybe they just take a swing on the best possible player, like with the most upside. But at the end of the day, I think, I think you also have to remember that, there were ways where they could say, okay, Jackrabbit Jenkins isn't good enough or Fulton isn't good enough. We're going to replace him with this young guy. And same thing with Jarrell Casey, who was kind of dropping off when they had Simmons and they didn't know if he was going to play the first half of the season. All that to say, like, I'm less convinced now than ever about the snap count thing, but I am, I am willing to say that I think that Robinson's going to take the guy who will fill the most snaps and who has the highest upside with snaps being the determining factor. But if all things are equal, I think he's just going to take a big swing again. So yeah, like long story short, offense makes a ton of sense. Nothing surprises me and I need to see what they do in free agency first, but they, they've got to add people on offense. Like They have too many places where they could potentially have holes. Got to get receivers. That's got to be a priority. And we'll talk more about that moving forward. For now, though, it is time for Stop the Nonsense. I'll lead us off this week. Saw an article from Rick Stroud, covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The headline of this article, Are you sitting down? Blaine Gabbert may be the quarterback the Bucks need. Now, no way. (laughs) The part of the article, I was going to send this to y'all earlier today, but I'm like, no, I'm going to hold off and and, and have this authentic moment live. The problem with the article that is not problematic is where he's saying he thinks it's likely that Gabbert will be the quarterback because Bruce Arians likes Gabbert. They don't really think Kyle Trask is ready to go. They're probably not going to go get a free agent. So unless it's like a massive move like Deshaun Watson, it'll probably be Blaine Gabbert. And I can buy that. That seems logical, and he would know as a reporter. But then he goes on to like endorse Blaine Gabbert. Let me read you some quotes from this, again, from the Tampa Bay Times. Before you poo-poo the idea of a 32-year-old Blaine Gabbert, perhaps consider the alternatives. Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, Mike Glennon, Marcus Mariota, Terod Taylor, Mitchell Trubisky, and Jameis Winston. No, no, heck no, nope, nah, hard pass, and been there, done that. Um, every one of those quarterbacks minus Mike Glennon is better than Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. Also, this is what gets me. Like any quarterback, well, first of all, let's start with this. Physically, Gabbert is elite. He is 6'5", 235 pounds with a cannon for an arm and terrific mobility. Terrific is a stretch. And cannon. he does have a cannon for an arm. Throws harder than anyone I've ever seen. But it is the most erratic arm I've ever seen. Uh, uh, his last start was in 2018, the season finale for the Titans against the Colts. Yeah, he screwed that game up for the Titans. 
Like any quarterback, Gabbert benefited from being Brady's wingman the last two seasons. He learned a lot about preparation, managing a game, and winning. Please stop. This is Mm. ridiculousness. Dude. Gabbert is the most erratic quarterback in the NFL. He he exists in freakout mode. I hope somebody's mishearing you and they th- keep thinking you're saying like erotic quarterback because that would be super funny <laughs> to me. Uh, but uh, the number of guys who have learned at Tom Brady's like heels and like figured out how to win games is zero. Like yeah, it, you know, like <laughs> well, every maybe Jimmy G, but yeah, I mean, like I don't know that he does anything that you know Shanahan doesn't scheme up or that the defense doesn't help him with but it's like you know the other great quarterbacks that have sat behind uh Tom Brady and learned how to win like Hoyer and <laughs> uh Jacoby Brissett <laughs> it's like just the laundry list of guys who sucked everywhere else Matt Castle mm. terrible stuff I don't I don't understand how anyone could think that Blaine Gabbert is a better option than Marcus Mariota Especially oh, given everything don't. that we've seen, I'd take Marcus. Even Trubisky, even Trubisky. That's what I said. Everyone like, on that, everyone on that list. Brissett, maybe Brissett, iffy. I don't really like Brissett. Yeah, Dalton, yeah. no DeGlennon, but Andy Dalton, Mariota, Terod Taylor, Trubisky, and Winston are all better yeah. than Blaine Gabbert. And you hate Terod Taylor, like you're like <laughs> you're like he sucks, and I'm like yeah. I don't know, like he can move, but yeah, like if you're saying that, like that really speaks to how much you don't like. Gabbert, but that's just because you have human eyes and you've watched the game. Like, what a crazy thing to be like, is he the quarterback that you've been dreaming of? It's like, no. Like, spent a year around Green the Bay, guy. We all yeah, did. people in Green Bay are, like, actively talking about, like, wanting Mariota. They're like, well, we'll get Mariota and we'll do all this kind of stuff because he knows LaFleur's offense. And I'm like... Mariota was terrible in LaFleur's I'm offense. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I've been there, guys. I'm like, I don't think that means what you think it means. It's like, But, like, <laughs> I... You know, I like, I... I more power to you. Will, uh, what do you got? So mine is also quarterback related and okay. it's uh, an also Colts. So it's like a double whammy. So this happened, I think the day after we recorded last week. And so there's this field Yates tweeted this and there's a six minute clip where, uh, the, the it's on Twitter. So it says, uh, quote, it seems likely that the Colts will move on from Carson Wentz. And while he had underwhelming moments during a non-playoff season, it does beg the question, what's next for Indy? So it's this art, I mean, it's this video where he talks to McShay and Kuyper about what, what Indianapolis is going to do. And it very quickly turns into why Wentz is still a great quarterback. So last <laughs> I quote tweeted it because I was so mad and I was watching this. And I, so I had four points that were like, I said, which one of these is more laughable? Like, number one, in in the video, uh, Mick Shea talks about how uh, Wentz didn't play well in the playoffs uh, this year, but he looked good the rest of the season during the regular season. And they didn't make the playoffs, which is bananas to me that he said that. So, I mean, right there, it's insane. Um, then they talk, they spend like a minute and a half talking about how they say, well, Oh man, if anybody can make this work and you know, they, they're going to have to be stuck with a lot of dead cap and they're going to have to figure it out. But you know, if anybody can make it work, it's Ballard. And it's like, he's the guy who made this decision in the first place. Like they're acting like he doesn't deserve any responsibility for trading slash cutting Carson Wentz when that happens. 
but he deserves credit somehow for trading for him. It it's a crazy it like just that that in itself is taught it will show you next year when Frank Wright gets fired, it's because Ballard got into the media early and he has start he has already started pushing this narrative. And Jim Ursay kind of said it too, where he's like, We gotta figure it out because we've got the guys. So Ballard has pushed that his guys are great, that they're not the problem, which I think is incorrect. Uh, then, uh, so this is really the worst thing, and, and I'll stop after this before I keep going on the rant, but they talk about the Jaguars' loss, and they say that they make this big, long speech about, you know, they didn't show up versus uh, the Jaguars on the road, and it's, you know, uh, who do you put that loss on? You can't put it on Carson Wentz. And I'm like, if you watch that game, Carson Wentz should have thrown two interceptions. He only threw one, and he should have had three fumbles, and he had one. But, like, it was so clearly on him, and he looked so bad that it, it's just it's crazy to me. So I guess my stop the nonsense is at this point is the same thing that happened last year with Carson Wentz and with Sam Darnold is that these guys who have friends on teams or who have like who've said stuff in the past where they've stuck up for guys who don't deserve being stuck up for specifically the quarterback position, you're going to hear a lot of stuff this season about how all these guys in new places, you know, they weren't bust other way, other places. They were just misused. Like it's 99% of the time, not true. And it is aggravating to the point where it makes me want to scream to hear people talk like this. And then also clearly not have watched that player. Yeah, the Carson Wentz fandom needs to, needs to, to go somewhere. Matthias, close us out. Um, I wasn't sure which one to pick. Um, I'm still not sure. Um, uh, I think I'm going to go with this whole metaverse thing that is going on in uh, social media. Have you guys heard about the metaverse? The Marvel Cinematic yes. Metaverse? What? Marvel? It's not Marvel. I don't no, know what no. it's. <laughs> it, I think it has something to do with... It, yeah, it, like I don't really understand what any of this is. And then out of nowhere the other day before the All-Star festivities, uh, Adam Silver comes out and he unveils the coach of the future. Um, Nat, Coach Nat, in, in the metaverse, he is voiced by Shaq. Um, apparently he, uh, he can coach you up in this so-called metaverse. And I don't know what's going on, man. Like I don't, I don't understand what timeline we're living in, what uh, what any of this stuff means, and maybe I'm just you know out of touch. But uh, nothing makes sense to me anymore. And uh, this whole metaverse situation is uh, is my stop the nonsense because I just don't get it. Yeah, and and I what I don't I, get I is still I keep, can't process that. I keep hearing like, oh, the Brave Stadium is going to be in the metaverse. Like, what's that? What does that mean? Is this the is this the the thing where Dwight in the office um, has like a has the second, second life. life? Yeah, right. I think it's the same thing. I think it's the same thing. This is this is insane. Will, are you shocked that I get office references? It's th- you have such a weird pop culture life. Like the fact that you're like, I get the offense office references and all that, but you're like, I haven't watched a movie since 1942 when I was 12 years old. And it's oh. like, Oh yeah, I forget you're a vampire. Who's like lived forever. <laughs> but like, it's like, I, I could pick out classical music from like 
uh, some play that hadn't been on Broadway in you know ten years, and you would know it. But if I'm like, "Hey, have you seen the trailer for the new Doctor Strange movie?" You'd be like, "Ah, oh, is that some sort of medical show?" And I would be like, "Oh, <laughs> never mind." Like, I, I will say this: uh, for the first time in my life, I have a real itch to watch Star Wars, which I've never wow. done. What? What's what's Good motivated movies. you to this point? I, which, so I've heard the theme music for years, you know, da 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 da. Obviously. But recently recommended on YouTube was the New York Philharmonic playing that with, with uh, uh, John Williams in the audience. And it, it, it just struck me as absolutely thrilling musically. And so I immediately went and I pulled up. There was a, on YouTube the first five minutes of Star Wars Episode Four, which, you know, in, in historical time was like the, the first one. Yeah, and I'm like, ones. hey, this isn't that bad. So I kind of want to watch the whole thing now. Did Did Will just say one of the sucky ones? Yeah. So Luke, this thing you're going to hear from people is they're like, oh, the original Star Wars are the best because they have three seconds of lightsaber fights where they kind of just wave the lightsaber <laughs> gently around, and those people are liars who like are hold on and wrong. Dude, Empire Strikes Back is like is the best one. Oh man, I just don't know. Like it's also like what like <laughs> like, you I, like I sure you like the first one, like the 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 first <laughs> Phantom of the Menace. new ones. Uh, oh, yeah. like, no, like well, that would have the sickest lightsaber battles, yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, Qui Gon Jinn, Obi Wan Kenobi, and uh, Darth Maul. Like that, that was outstanding. But like, uh, like to me, I get it. It's like they're cool, like they're story driven or whatever. But like. The graphics are so not great that really, like, I just show up for like the force users and uh, the lightsaber fights. And this is this is my uh, my stop the nonsense, I guess, uh, part two. Uh, but yeah, so like, I'm like, what has the coolest choreography in lightsaber fights? And that's uh, like Revenge of the Sith has a really good one. Then uh, the Kylo Ren and Rey like tag team against uh, Snoke's like Imperial Guard is cool. Like. I don't know. Like we, this is something where like Luke kind of offered me like a, a morsel of like, look, I'm going to do cool stuff. And I just completely took over and <laughs> had a controversial take, but uh, you should watch the Mandalorian uh, Luke. Like you should watch the Mandalorian because it's very like music cue heavy. Okay. Uh, where they do a lot of like, this is like, this is the theme for this guy. And when you hear faint sounds of this, it means this yeah. guy's coming. Yeah. Light motifs is the, musical term for that that's going to do it for us in this music lesson (laughs) we'll we'll be back next week to talk some more about the titans uh, so be sure to come back for that until then for Will and Matthias I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.